That's right, it's time for another episode of The Paranormal Conclave. Thank you so much for joining me. Well, as you can see, it's about that time where everything turns green. The month of March. A very special and fun holiday lies in this month. Uh, one very near and dear to me. St. Patrick's Day. How can we go through St. Patrick's Day without having a little discussion about the official, unofficial mascot of it? That's right. Today we're going to be talking about leprechauns. Now, not the type that you find on your cereal boxes. These will be the more traditional types of leprechauns. That's right, I did say types of leprechauns, because there is more than one, for those of you who did not realize. These little guys are kind of misunderstood. They get a mixed reception depending on who you're hanging out with. Some would say they're a bit more mischievous than evil. Others say pure evil entirely. Most people who really know them, the, the old world Irish, know they're thoroughly nasty little pieces of work and best to be avoided. Unless, of course, you're trying to trap one. Now, why would we want to trap a leprechaun? It's not for his fashion sense, of course. No, that's right. Same reason people go chasing rainbows. To see if they can find that pot of gold. Now, even though there's a lot of disagreement about the little guy's character, whether he's just a trickster, just evil, there's not even a consensus about where his name comes from. Now, the folklore writer W.B. Yeats believed that it was derived from Leith Drogan, meaning the shoemaker. This might explain why the leprechaun has often been seen mending a brogue or shoe. 
but never a pair, only one. Others say that the name comes from the Irish word Liorpan, meaning small-bodied. Now, did you know there's different clans of leprechauns? There is. And not only just different clans, they are a little bit different in appearance as well. Not all leprechauns look alike. Sure, they're all short in stature, but this may interest you if you're out looking for that pot of gold, so you know which one you're dealing with. The Linister Leprechaun most closely fits the popular notion of what we today consider the atypical leprechaun. They're the least flamboyant in their dress, the least extroverted in character, and they're very, very keen on honey. So, that could lure one in for you. The next is the Ulster Leprechaun. It is the shortest in stature, but don't mention it to them. They're a little touchy on the subject. In addition to build up heels in their shoes, they usually wear pointed hats and give the illusion of greater height. They claim to be the best poets and the most accomplished hurlers. Which is very funny, thinking about how small they are, but as we all know, leprechauns are magical creatures. The next type of leprechaun we have is the Meath Leprechaun. Very much known for his diplomacy. This is a good trait, but in the execution of his diplomatic skills, he tends to use a hundred words when just a handful will do. Don't be in a hurry if you run into him, because he's got all the time in the world to spare when you probably don't. Sometimes he'll take the form of somebody just a little bit bigger, because they have that ability, and stop you as a stranger on the side of the road, just to tie up all of your time. And he has the ability to talk his way into your pocket very easily. Next, we have the Connaught Leprechaun. Like his brethren, very industrious, whether at work or studying books. But this little guy takes it just a bit too seriously. Although they are the best inventors and greatest philosophers, so they say, they are the most reclusive. So it'll be very unlikely that you'll get a chance to trap one of them. They rarely come out, staying hidden for most of the day with their nose in a book or tinkering away. Now last but not least, the monster leprechaun. He is the party animal of the leprechaun clans. you're very likely to encounter him. However, his drinking habits are legendary. When he's sober, he's so nice. But when he's drinking, look out. He can be as evil as they come. So let me give you a few facts here on leprechauns in case you happen to meet one. 
Leprechaun legend has been around for at least a thousand years in Ireland. Stems from the Catholic belief in the other world, a mythical place where magical powers can be used for good or evil. Leprechauns are solitary fairies, so they prefer to be on their own company, and they're very rarely encountered in groups. If you do encounter them in a group, be very wary of your surroundings, because you could be walking into a trap. And to answer your question, there are female leprechauns. Although there's seeming to be quite few of them, they're no more renowned for their manners or social graces than the males of the species. Now, leprechauns are very in tune with their surroundings, especially the animal population of Ireland. And one of the most common animals that you can find there is a small bird, the robin. Now, the robins are known to be great friends and allies of the leprechauns, so don't kill or trap any robins in Ireland unless you're looking for some severely bad luck. Now, a lot of people think of leprechauns as being very small, like the size of a glass or a can of something, but they're actually much larger than you think they are. They're roughly two to three feet tall, tend to appear to us as being old and wrinkly. They have a very wide mouth, round eyes, and a big red nose, probably ulcerated from drinking. When it comes to their appearance in their dress, they're a bit more old-fashioned, often look a bit shabby, and not really into uniformity or matching of anything. So they might come across you with a red coat, and sometimes a green coat, two different color shoes. Most wear tall hats, according to legend. And they hold upon their trousers, usually gripping their large belt buckles. Their shoes, which are superbly groomed, very shiny. They're very into footwear. And those shoes tend to have a gold or silver buckle. So, now, we've learned all this. Let's take what we've learned and compare it to a few other things. If you go back through the description of a leprechaun, there are different types of comparisons you can make through different cultures. Now, there is now a large group of people out there studying the, not the differences between the clans of the leprechaun, but they're studying how they compare to other tricksters and folklore. Let's take the obvious one. Let's just go with the colors. They wear reds, they wear greens, sometimes blues. But in their stature, in their appearance, being inventors, being tinkerers. Don't they compare a lot to what we consider the elves for Santa? 
reddish hair, tall hats. Yeah, I'd say they do. Also, there's another interesting comparison to a lost tribe in New Guinea of very small diminutive people that caused other tribes in the area so much trouble. They would rob from them, take from them, try to trick them in trade. But they were also known in that tribe to steal children and take them away. See, I don't think that the idea of a leprechaun is really mythology as it is a history lesson about a species that may or may not be around anymore. A species of small humanoid that actually used to be on this planet. Now the tricksters and the small people of New Guinea, they were real people. They were a real species of people. Not quite human in their skeletal frame, but one of our very close relatives, kind of like the tiny Cro-Magnon man. So small people have been around for a long time. Think of the Scottish dwarves that dwell in caves and mine for, what else, gold. Anything precious, shiny stones, diamonds, emeralds. There is a little person tale in every culture if you go back through the histories. And you'll find a lot of comparisons to a lot of different things. Leprechauns were also known, if caught, they would grant wishes. But don't ask them too much for money because they'll take your wishes and twist them to harm you instead. But granting wishes, well, how many wishes did a leprechaun grant? Usually three. Three wishes from somebody so small that kind of popped out of nowhere, much like a djinn or a genie. So there's another reference to a similar trickster in that culture as well. Now, mythologies around the world speak of beings which cannot be defined as good or evil. German folklore mentions a household elemental named Kobold. Even though he can be helpful as a trickster, he can make your life very difficult, playing mischievous pranks on members of the house. He can hide tools and other objects, or even push people over at times. On the other hand, he can also help with household chores, providing help finding lost objects, and sometimes he even is said to sing to the children as they go to sleep. Now apart from the household kobold, there is another type, which legends say resides in caves and mines. Now they're said to haunt the miners that work deep, deep underground on a day-to-day -day basis. 
1657, metallurgist George Ludman published a study entitled De Animatibus Subterraneus, which he explained that the belief in these kobolds date back to at least the 13th century. But older accounts of similar spirits also existed in ancient Greece, where the mischievous entity was referred to as a kabalos. Now all of these examples discussed here are but just a few of the numerous types of tricksters appearing in mythologies, folklore, and other stories from around the world, from fairy tale characters like Reynard the Fox or Rumpelstiltskin. Elementals and trickster spirits, mischievous entities, play an important part in the tales of mythology throughout many cultures. From gods to spirits, tricksters exist in mythology all over the world. Leaving aside many of their differences, they have another thing in common. They love to play, and most of all, they love to play tricks on you. The form and appearance of the trickster varies from legend to legend, thus exemplifying the diverse character of these entities. In Japan, the trickster takes the form of a shape-shifting fox called Kitsune, which can be good or evil. In Europe, the role of the trickster is most commonly played by spirits which appear in many forms and classes. So I don't know about you, but when I look at stories from different cultures and something like this rings true in each one of them, to me, that puts up a big red flag. Hey, wait, maybe these aren't just stories. Maybe they are true. Maybe, like I said earlier, could they be stories passed down and changed, of course, about a humanoid that is or was with us at one point in time in human history. Did we live alongside these little people? Native Americans here in the United States, indigenous people, all over the world have stories. The Aborigines have stories. Now the Aboriginal culture is one of the oldest, if not the oldest culture in the world. And they have stories of little people, tricksters, opportunist little creatures that would trick them out of things that they had gathered, food, steal their crops, steal their children. Why did they steal the children? Well, some believe to raise them as their own because they couldn't have children. Well, if that's the case, why were there so many little people? Now, the darker side of that story is they ate them because they were fair game. So, are the stories of the little people actually stories of tiny cannibals? Now, going back to that culture I said earlier about 
the tiny people in New Guinea. They found the bones of human children around their settlement. Is that possible? It's an interesting thought. Maybe we have taken the scariness out of the little people, the Fae, and turned them into something a bit more magical to make them less scary to us throughout the centuries. Did we wipe them out or come close to wiping them out? Because to this very day, small, two to three foot tall cryptids are seen all over the world. They tend to steal livestock, food, clothing. Why would they steal clothing? That's an interesting thought. Just as many sightings as Bigfoot, or Yeti, or Yahweh, as there are leprechauns and Kinsu. We have a tendency of rewriting history to benefit us in some way. We don't like how it sounds. We don't want to scare people. Turn on your TV today. You're going to see us rewriting history, erasing it, changing it like it didn't happen. It did happen. We should acknowledge when history has changed us personally. Don't go back and erase it, rewrite it to soften the blow for generations to come. That does no good. That does nothing for the culture. But without getting too political, I think you'll find that every civilization in the world, even Aztec, Mayan, they had tricksters. As silly as it sounds, do I believe in leprechauns? I guess in a matter of speaking, I do. But I look at it as a lost civilization, a lost species of human. They're always telling us that there's a missing link somewhere in our chain of quote-unquote evolution. I don't know. I'm not a big fan of Darwin. I'm not saying that we truly just magically appeared either. I'm not going to get too deep into my theory of humanity uh, at this time, but uh, I think that most of the time when we can't explain something, as we've proven time and time again, we ignore it, forget about it, change it, or reinvent 
Reinventing is the human way of doing it. We love to grab onto something and completely change it around. To benefit, to soften, and to make tolerable. Because as strong as we think we are mentally, the human mind can break very quickly. Plus, if you tell a bunch of people, hey, don't go near the leprechauns, they're gonna trick you. Well, nobody likes to get tricked. No one likes to be proven that they're not as smart as something else. Yes, I've always found the history mythology of leprechauns kind of fascinating. I tell people that usually and they roll their eyes at me and hand me a box of Lucky Charms. But it is what it is. There is always something relevant in the stories that are passed down. Always. If there wasn't, they wouldn't have standed the test of time. All of these cultures, all of these groups sharing so many similar things. Like I said, it can't be coincidence. People say, I only trust what my eyes can see. Well, sometimes you just need to look harder. You have to read between the lines in the stories. You gotta take out what everybody else through the centuries has added to those stories. How we've taken possibly an actual history of a people, of a creature, history of that leprechaun and made them very cartoonish in their descriptions. I mean, nobody thought that there was actually a whole race of tiny people, but just a few years ago, hey, we proved that right. An entire race of people. Yet, we were so quick to dismiss it. So quick to believe it couldn't be true because it sounds like it was made up. Sure, that was in another continent, but who's to say that these little people weren't kind of like us, not just located in one spot, spread across this globe, woven into the societies and into the cultures of all these other different people. Well, that would make more sense. If we can migrate, if we can go from place to place, why couldn't these people? And again, why couldn't these people still be around, possibly in smaller groups? You say to yourself, well, how come I haven't seen one? Well, they're two to three foot tall. They're not much for people like us. They keep to themselves. They can pretty much hide anywhere they want to, you know, hide. They can go wherever they want to go. And really, 
Stay away from everybody. We think we've touched everything on this planet. We've had a human presence everywhere, but we have not. There's still billions of acres yet on this planet to be explored. Not to mention underground. Because as a lot of those stories say, those little people like to be a little subterranean, don't they? They like to be underground, the cobalts. So, there you have it. My little hat tip to St. Patrick's Day and the legends of the leprechaun. So next time you're out at the grocery store and you want to buy your breakfast cereal or driving in your car and look out the window and you see a rainbow, give it an extra little thought. Maybe. Maybe you'll see something. So keep your eyes out. And thank you once again for listening to the Paranormal Conclave. This episode was a little lighthearted, but I hope you got a little entertainment out of it anyway. So until next time, bye bye. Thank you for listening to the Paranormal Conclave. Join us next time for another haunting discussion on the things outside our normal realm of reality and thinking. Paranormal. Gone.